Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Gitteridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's been singing Purple Rain all week. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, you know, I uh, I like Gogol Bordel- Bordellos start wearing purple as well. I have a couple cur- purple tracks I can't speak, but I can listen because we're, we're talking purple music here. I, now, Gerald, you know, I've come to not hate and, and fear Kansas State quite as much as maybe I did in, in, in the history of this podcast. We've been doing it, what, six years? I, I, I have lessened a little. If Tom Herman gave us anything, it, it may have been that he took some of the uh, the voodoo out of Bill Snyder's uh, cauldron um, uh, of magic. But no, no, no. I, I, I can now respect Kansas State because they don't just simply beat us in every sport possible, even when it's their only win on the season. That's baseball like three years ago. But no, yeah, we, get, we did a little K-State preview. It's always a good one. You really could have gone with Big Mo and Purple stuff as well. I wanted... I, I lobbed it Ooh, up there for you. You're in you Houston. sure did. You could you could have gone with it. It's fine. You could just throw your hands high and wave from side to side. It's fine. Uh, no, so we've got another one of our season previews again. We've done this every Thursday for the last uh, now nine weeks, so you can check us out. Uh, we'd love to have you go back and listen to them, find a team you're interested in, or listen to them all. We'd love to uh, have you listen to them all, and we'll close the show out today with some... Godzilla-tron. So we are standing on the precipice. It's officially August, meaning that we no longer have a month without football. However, we've still got about 30 days until uh, the Longhorns kick off, but football starts this month either way. We're barreling through our season preview. We're on the other side of a bye week, thankfully. Uh, I mean, we didn't take a week off, but Texas gets a week off between Oklahoma State and their next opponent. Kansas State is on the schedule. We've been going week by week through each of the teams on the Longhorn schedule every Thursday, so you can check us out, uh, go back through and listen to them. Last week's was super fun, and I think this one is going to be another one. We've got a friend of the show, JT Van Gilder from Bring On the Cats. Uh, he was with us last year to help us preview the Wildcats, and he's here again this week. JT, man, how's your, how are you doing today? Well, you know, it's not too bad. It, uh, we enjoyed a beautiful week here in uh, north central Kansas last week, and weekly high didn't get above uh, mid-80s, so it, I mean, it was just gorgeous. Like, couldn't tell that it was end of July, so now we're, we're back up into the, uh, the summer temperatures and sweating through t-shirts two or three times a day, and you know, it's... Uh, getting into football season it's exciting I was gonna say you you shut your mouth rubbing it into all uh all uh, gerald myself and all of our listeners not that they're all from texas uh but yes it's it's been hot especially houston you get the humidity in there uh you know you you, you don't even worry just it is appropriate to be sweaty if someone's not sweaty you get a little suspicious what they're up if somebody's not sweating you assume that they're they're like already into heat stroke and or dehydration <laughs> it's really what it is like, it's more you dangerous don't, you don't die <laughs> are you okay uh so we're not here to talk uh, about heat-related illnesses. We're here to talk about a fall wintry matchup uh, between the Kansas State 
We're really not going to talk about the matchup. We're just talking about the Kansas State Wildcats. And I'm going to say the Jayhawks at least one one time today, not to piss off oh, JT. No. Just, uh, just because my brain is a weird place. I have three kids and none of them sleep. So um, it's the fourth year of the Chris Kleiman era. He is, weirdly enough, the like second or third most tenured head coach in the conference with four years under his belt. Congrats. Um, went eight and five in a win over uh, LSU in the Texas Bowl a year ago. That's his second eight and five season. There was a four and six season during the COVID year. That was weird for everybody. Uh, but what are the expectations for 2022 after uh, showing some progress last year uh, and ending the year with that big bowl win? It, it's hard to not say that expectations are pretty high, right? Uh, when we're turning one of the best players in the country, uh, you know, whether whether you're a Bajon Robinson fan or a Deuce Vaughn fan, I mean, there's two of the the best you know, athletes in the country right there. And, and um, so, you know, we've got one of them and that's, that's pretty huge. Um, yeah, most players on, on the uh, preseason, all big 12 teams. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, you, you shouldn't as a K-State fan, you shouldn't expect this team to end up, you know, in Arlington in, uh, in December. Uh, but, you know, at minimum, the floor is is no worse than last year. So, you know, eight and five is is it's got to feel like the floor here headed into Kleiman's fourth season with so much returning. Um, the big changes they made in the offseason with the coaching staff going with Colin Klein at uh, offensive coordinator. Um, and he was really the the architect of that dismantling of LSU. Um, I mean, what you know, you want to. LSU fans will talk about how depleted they were, but you know, their, their second string is still all three and four stars and still playing against, you know, K-State's you know, our best is, is about their average. So it's just like playing Texas, same thing. Like, you know, theoretically on paper, these, these teams should have more talent than we do. And um, even, even the freshmen. So, you know, beating a team like that is, is always a, a big win for us. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you look through the schedule, look who's up, who's down, um, you know, you get some new coaches in the league. So you're never quite sure, um, you know, who's what, you know, what they'll do in their, in their first seasons. But, um, you know, it feels like the conference is pretty open this year. So, I mean, it's, it's not eligible possibility for K-State to end up in a, with a, with a really nice season, end up, you know, within a game or in Arlington in, in December. I like the, uh, I like the confidence. I think you deserve it. I think it's going to be a, a very good team. There's going to be some obvious uh, familiar faces, a couple new faces. Uh, you, you referenced it. Colin Klein coming in as the OC. I was at that, that LSU game. I'm, I live in Houston. So uh, I, I go to the local bowl games, but uh, the offense looked great under him. Um, new quarterback. Taylor Martinez coming in. Um, Adrian, <laughs> you got to get the right Martinez from Nebraska. <laughs> if you know how many how many times I have the way Gerald threatened to call you Jayhawks, I will never get like you could tell me right before we record it's Adrian Martinez and I'll say Taylor. And then if Taylor walks across an alumni game at Nebraska, I'll assume it's Adrian. So completely on me. 
Adrian Martinez, the correct. Know your Martinez's, folks. Adrian Martinez coming in after four solid years at Nebraska, uh, doing the super senior uh, year here. Coached by Colin Klein as the OC. What are you What are you expecting? I saw some points against that LSU team. Maybe some more speed for the. Uh, I think y'all were last in the in the plays per game last year. So maybe some more pace from the offense what are you expecting to see with a new quarterback new offensive coordinator um yeah definitely a higher pace of play that's something they've talked about quite a bit this offseason um you know maybe not going to a true uh no huddle uh but but definitely moving quicker they'll still huddle but they won't go you know take it to five seconds on the play clock before they, they snap the ball anymore uh i mean there'll, there'll be times that happens but not that's not going to be the you know expectation anymore so They'll move with some more tempo. We'll see some differences in the in the you know the quarterback run game. I, I think they'll try to use uh, Adrian's wheels a little bit more. I, not that Skyler was slow by any means. I mean he could run pretty well, but especially by that last season he had he'd been banged up enough um, that he needed he he really turned into a a true pro passer um, during the Oklahoma game. Uh, he had he had been hurt uh, prior in the season before before that and turned into a uh, look like a pro passer at the Oklahoma game. Uh, but uh, Adrian's definitely more reliant on his athleticism on the ground. Um, probably try to uh, limit uh, his uh, turnovers. That was That's probably his biggest knock coming from Nebraska. Is that he was kind of a turnover machine. Um, I think we'll see some, you know, with, with him not having to run for his life anymore behind Nebraska's shaky O-line, um, that should help quite a bit. Um, and of course, having Deuce Vaughn there in the backfield um, to get the ball to either on you know screens or whatever. I mean, clearly teams are going to be keying on on Vaughn. Um, so, you know, well, I think they'll they'll start to get creative with with the quarterback run game again. It'll, he'll probably end up looking more like uh, you know the, the Colin Klein seasons than than maybe the uh, Skylar Thompson seasons. I still have nightmares about some of those, if I'm being completely honest with you. (laughs) Colin Klein is one, like, Kansas State has this weird corner of my head and my nightmares. Like, Ron Prince and Colin Klein, like, every six weeks or so, I wake up in a a cold sweat thinking that they're coming to just just kick me while I'm down. It's really what what I'm (laughs) expecting. You mentioned It's not a kick. It's a a stomp. It's the Ron Prince stomp. (laughs) (laughs) The only good thing that came out of Ron Prince. You've been Ron stomped. I love it. So, you mentioned Deuce Vaughn in there, and, and uh, he was one of two unanimous preseason all-conference players, the other one being uh, B. John Robinson. And Deuce is coming back for his third year. Texas let him get out of the Austin area. He went up to Kansas, and he almost had, like, what, 2,000 total yards last year? He was, like, uh, a sneeze away from that. So 2,000 yards total is a big ask each and every year. What do you expect from a guy? I mean, does he bat 2,000 again this year? Like, what What do you think? And especially in this offense, it's going to be a little more high octane. That's tough. I mean, he's, he's no secret anymore not not that he really was even last year but i i think we saw not so much against lsu but but even towards the end of the season some of the big 12 defensive coordinators had had kind of started to figure out deuce vaughn of course it was i think the offense was a little bit more one-dimensional and they got you know like in the texas game lining him up and you know third and short fourth and short in the wildcat is just not a recipe for success you know some of that i think I think we'll see maybe he won't hit quite the overall numbers as in terms of like total yards, but I think we'll see higher yards per play, higher yards mm. per, per catch, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, more explosive plays out of him. Cause they'll, they'll have to be more creative 
and getting him the ball. And I think those are going to open up some avenues for, for him to be a little bit more, to show more of his explosiveness, that, that open field quickness. Um, and then just, you know, having, having some other legitimate targets is, is really going to help him out. So, you know, you'll, you'll have to then spread the ball out more um, unless this team's scoring 40 or 50 points a game. There's just no way he's going to rack up. I think the total number of yards that he had been getting just because you'll have to spread the ball out enough to really open him up some more. Um, you know, Adrian Martinez will take some of those yards on the ground. Um, hopefully, well, you know, one or two of the other receivers will take some of those yards away from him in the air. But like I said, I, I think that that opens up his ability to be more explosive. And, uh, you know, some of those like slip screens, the line, you know, it, when he's in the middle of the linebackers and they've lost him because they're looking over his head and um, where he's going to score more, you know, 50 yard kind of plays versus having to, to dink and dime a little bit more down the field. There are certain players that you just wish, um, you know, they had college football video games with classic teams for because L. Roberson and Darren Sproles are kind of the perfect video game pairing. I see a, a Taylor Martinez, Deuce Vaughn combo there. I mean, you, you said more yards per play. The guy averaged 6.6, 6, uh, I think, last year. So that's scary, scary to think about. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's not all that, you know, out of the realm to, to think he could hit seven or even eight. Um, especially in a, you know, a little bit more high octane offense, if, if things are opened up a little bit more for him, there were so many of those plays where he was the only option. And so, you know, he's Mm going to get two yards because we need him to get two yards. And now I don't think we're going to need him to get two yards. And so that'll, you know, bump that, that yard per play up a little bit. And, and he is legitimately one of my, my favorite players to watch uh, in space. And again, every week except when he plays Texas. Um, I love to see what he can do is just kind of that prototypical jitterbug running back. But good friend of the podcast. He's been on here before, Coach, uh, Coach Zychek. He came to Cedar Ridge right when Deuce left. So he didn't coach him, but heard the stories that, that lingered after after he went. Um, and, and nothing but good stuff about, about uh, Deuce as a man as well. Uh, obviously as a football player. But that that brings me to the offensive line, right? Coach Zaitek is the offensive line coach. Uh, now moved on to a different school, but um, the offensive line at Kansas State uh, is an interesting kind of mix because you got to get Deuce that space. You got to protect Taylor, get him enough to excuse me, did it again, Adrian Martinez to get him enough uh, space to do what he can do with his legs. Um, and you certainly know what you have in Cooper Beebe, right? The Pro Football Focus's fifth highest graded returning tackle. Um, but you are replacing three interior linemen. Is the line an area of concern or are they just going to churn out another solid unit as they always kind of seem to do? Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of uh, um, Connor Riley's uh, calling cards there on the O line is it's, I mean, it's really like next man up. Um, yeah. I mean, you talk about Cooper Beebe, he's, you know, all conference left tackle and he's playing out of position. He's a guard, you know, hit hit when he, he's going to get drafted to play guard in the NFL and, you know, late first, early second round here, hopefully, you know, as, as a K state fan, hopefully it's a year later, but you know, he's probably, it's probably gonna be this coming year. So, um, but, uh, we've got a stud freshman, um, out of North Dakota, uh, that'll be on that left side. He's been, uh, you know, the, of course the word out of camp and you know, everything's all rosy in camp, but the word out of camp is, is he's, you know, better than, than Cooper Beebe even, so, I mean, it's like, wow, you know, this kid's better than Cooper Beebe, then that's pretty serious. But uh, uh, we've got some guys back on the right side that were supposed to start last year. Um, 
but got injured in fall camp. And so they were out. So we're, you know, as, as good as the line was last year, there were guys starting that, that probably wouldn't have started. So, um, yeah, that's, it's really that bunch of, you know, guys that have, have worked hard, have really worked up in the system. Uh, but, uh, uh, whatever it is about, uh, Connor Riley's coaching and his development of those guys, it's just, you know, we'll, we get those, you know, three-star guys don't need a, a five-star offensive tackle out of high school. You know, that it's a kid that, you know, maybe a little undersized or something. And all of a sudden they're, you know, all conference stud and they just, they keep pumping them out every year. So, uh, um, pretty excited to see, you know, which five line up in the starting roles. Um, we're pretty confident in, in three or, three or four of them, but there's a, there's a couple spots where it's, you know, it's an, or kind of position and, and either one they go with is going to be pretty solid. I love a good or on the offensive line. And by I love, I mean, I hate it's, it gives me no, <laughs> no end of anxiety uh, going into it. Now we've talked a lot about the run, but it, it's easy to do that with Kansas state. Cause that's what Kansas state has been um, since Bill Snyder emerged from the ground wearing khaki pleated khakis and white like Cortez's right but they also bring back two of probably the the top receiving threats or two more talented receiving threats we've seen in Kansas State in a long time and Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles uh, so you've got a threat there we talked about going a little more high octane so like what do you expect the usage of those two guys to be in 2022 in an offense that features a, a, a more of a run first quarterback and a, uh, a running back that's one of one of the best in the country yeah it's hard to say I think I think they'll see about the same usage that they've had. I, I expect them to see more only because there's going to be more plays available, right? You know, increased tempo means there will be more plays unless you're just scoring boatloads, right? Unless you're just bracket up 50, 60 points a game, there's going to be more opportunities for, for, uh, you know, getting the, the ball out there to those playmakers. Um, I also think, you know, like in the bowl game, we're going to see some more three and four wide receiver sets. So that's going to get the, the opportunity opportunity for for more guys more touches uh but you know philip brooks is is kind of uh you know in a, in a in essence a poor man's deuce vaughn i mean he's he's great in space he's good catching the ball he's a little shorter than deuce which is amazing because you know you think of deuce as, as small as he is but brooks is somehow even a little smaller um but you know quick and and good hands uh malik is that big body receiver that you know we've we've always lusted after uh and he's had he's had really good games against Texas and uh, some really bad games against bad teams. And, you know, it's he's always been kind of an enigma. He's 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 often hurt. And, you know, if he could if he can put together a whole season healthy, he can be a, he can really be a force there. Um, and, and there's some other guys you know, we'll see. And, you know, I think we'll actually see more passing to the tight end, which is, you know, almost sacrilege here at K-State that, you know, it doesn't happen. You don't pass to the tight end. They're just blockers. But I think we'll see some more passing to the tight end. Some guys they've recruited in the last few years are definitely more of that pass catching type of guy. So big body pass catchers. And then there's there's always the threat. We got another locket. So uh, uh, Tyler's one of Tyler's little brothers. He's a, he'll be a true freshman. So you, you never know, it, you know put a locket out there. Crazy things happen. So, uh, um, that's, you know, always something you got to be on the, on the watch for. That's terrifying. I don't need another locket in my life. Uh, <laughs> you do seem to have a lot of the same name. I respect that about your family, uh, atmosphere program. You get a lot of these brothers, sons, cousins, whatever. I can see a lot of the same last names between coaches and, and, and players. I like that. That's, that's true to your family atmosphere. I think, um, 
The other half of the family, though, we got to talk about here. We've talked a lot of offense, and I think rightfully so. But Kansas State always has a good defense, especially two years ago. I, I think it really was their calling card. Um, was good last year, without a doubt. Um, but I think there's certain things um, that that Kleiman's going to want from from his team. Um, you return uh, some talent for sure. Uh, you got Eli Huggins and Daniel Green both coming back. Of course, uh, you know one of the better defensive ends in the conference, maybe the country. Um, you, you do lose, uh, some tacklers and Cody Fletcher, Ross Elder, some, some issues, maybe, or not issues, some question marks to be filled at, at safety linebacker, things like that. Overall zoom out. Where do you think this defense stands and what are the kind of key, uh, things you're watching and when groups and players you're watching on that side of the ball? Yeah. Uh, safety is definitely the biggest question mark, uh, losing three, three and a half, you know, regular full-time starters, um, that's tough. Uh, and especially guys that were, you know, three and four year contributors to the program. That's, I mean, it, it's hard to replace guys like that. And there's some, there's some pretty talented guys, but that's definitely an area they hit really hard in the transfer portal, um, going after both junior college and, you know, four year transfer guys to, to really re reload the experience back there. Um, so that's, that's probably the, the single largest question mark. Um, getting Eli Huggins back at, at nose guard is, is huge. I mean, he's been, he's been around the program since, since Bill Snyder was here. So, I mean, he's, he's been here forever. I think he was a true freshman that, uh, Snyder's last season in 2018. So, you know, having him back is, is humongous. We also get Khalid Duke back, Khalid Duke back, who was, who, who came on as a force in 2020 and then got hurt right at the beginning of last year. And, and we were all worried. It's like, oh man, we're screwed. We lost Lee Duke. He, he was a, a sane pass rusher. What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden um, you get Felix and UDK Uzama step up and turn into a sack master. Right. So it's like, okay, now we got both those guys back. We got a guy like Nate Macklack, who's a, who's a two sophomore Kansas kid. Who's who could really turn into a force at DN. The biggest thing I know, Last year is they were switching defenses. So as guys came in K State, it was a four-three defense. Um, it's what Kleiman had always run. He's a defensive guy. That's the system he had always run was four-three defense. Uh, last year they they decided to make the big switch and run a three-three-five, fairly similar to what Iowa State's running. I, there's several programs that are starting to run that now. And there was some there was some questions, especially at the beginning of the year from the coaching staff. And they they hedged and they tried to leave some of the four three stuff in there and I, it really screwed with them until they just went all in with the three three five and things got quite a bit better towards the end of the season. So year two now they're confident in the system. They've got players that are confident in the system. I think overall the defense should actually be better because you've got that that you know another another year of confidence in the system. You've got all these key players back. Um, I haven't even mentioned the cornerbacks. You got Julius right. Brents, who should be a, you know, first couple round uh, selection probably in the draft this year. He, he'll probably go. Uh, he'd be silly if he didn't. Um, same with uh, Echo Boydo. Uh, another his kid. We stole out of Lawrence, Kansas, who who's now uh, you know an all conference kind of level of of cornerback. Uh, so you get those two guys out there. Um, but so yeah, I would just. Got to figure out what we're doing at, at safety. Uh, there's some good options there, but that that will be the the, the early question mark. And dealing with with Missouri early on the schedule is going to be really interesting. And then we've got we open conference at Oklahoma, uh, which is so we got two really tough games in the first four. And 
uh, we'll really figure out pretty quick if that defense is uh, the back end of that defense is, is going to hold up. So with that being said, you kind of hit on on some early season struggles. What I want to ask is like or some early season what high water marks we'll call it. I don't want to call it struggles. But like when you look back at at 2022, the, the season overall, if we're sitting in December and having a similar conversation. What would you say is a successful season for Kansas State? Like I said, uh, when we opened up here, I think I think eight and five is the floor, right? Mm. If 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 we're if they're any worse than they were last year, then then that's a serious problem. I don't think it's you know with with everything that returns, you've got to think that you know nine wins is really really what the target is. The the real like if we're setting a realistic goal, you know nine wins is the target. Um, above that, then you know we're starting to get into well, this is a good season. So you're talking about a great season, 11, 12 wins, obviously, you know, getting, getting to uh, Arlington is, is the ultimate goal for every program in the big 12. But, um, but yeah, I, I think for, for this season to be classified as a good season, we've got to hit at least that, that nine win mark eight and five is the expectation. It's the minimum nine, nine and four is, is good. And 10 and up is great. Right. Those numbers are, are absolutely great. I don't think any program in the conference is going to be uh, scoffing at those, especially this year. It does feel like there's uh, I'm not going to steal Gerald's term, but there's a, uh, a a healthy amount of parody. It'll be curious if it's if it's middle parody or like the kind of basketball uh, season was where there's just parody, elite parody where everyone's really good. But I think it could be more that that there's a lot of quite to very good teams with no one really separating themselves. Gerald, what do you, it's a crabs in a barrel season. Everybody's just, just grabbing and pulling. Right. And there's, there's no one, I don't think there's any one team that really stands out. It's like, Oh my God, they're, they're going to be so good. I mean, Baylor's probably at the top of that list, returning everything they did from, Mm -hmm. did they win the big 12 title? They did. They They did. did. Okay. By one yard. They're, they're the odds on favor. Right. But, there's talent at, at Texas and Oklahoma. There's good coaches. I mean, I, I think as a, as a K-State fan, what, what we're really worried about is, is pulling an Iowa State, right? So with Chris Kleiman looking like, like Matt Campbell, where there's all this show and, and you know, Iowa State supposedly had their best team ever last season and, mm-hmm. and still went eight and five. And it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? And um, so we, we just don't want to end up like that. You know, we want to get back to the, the Bill Snyder glory days where you're winning – 11 games every season don't we all let's let's switch it up um let's go from the more football heavy serious stuff and i'll give you a toss-up to make the transition easier before we go into the wild world outside of pure football in our rapid fire section um like picking a favorite child right now toss up to start it off you have to pick one returner on this football team who's the better turner malik Knowles or philip brooks oh that's tough um are we talking kickoff or punt returns? Returner. Just returner in general? I know. One does one and the other does the other, and they both are all conference level. But we know Kansas State loves special teams, but you can only have one in this scenario. I'm probably going to go with Brooks. I don't think he's quite the home run threat on kick returns, but it's it's easier to find a home run threat on kick returns, I think, than it is for punt returns. And he's definitely a home run threat on punt returns, so... You know, being elite at punt returns, you, I mean, he's he's still pretty good at kick returns too. It's just Malik's 
just been a little better at those. So I'm going to go with, with Philip Brooks. I love it. Okay. So we've been asking this every week and I want to get your thoughts past present, past or present. Um, what's your dream NIL partnership for a player, pick a player, any player past or present, uh, and a brand you would love them to shill for. What's your dream NIL partnership? Oh man, that's tough. There's so many good ones. Uh, I think, I think the easiest one and it's low hanging fruit because it, it kind of already happened. Uh, was uh was Byron Pringle, um, <laughs> wide receiver, and and you know obviously Pringles the chip brand, and they did kind of a, that with when he was at the Chiefs, and and that's kind of fun. But uh, of course, you know that one just it makes sense, right? Like there's there's no reason that 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 one should have never happened. So <laughs> like that's we we've that one's just it's just too on the nose. Uh, it's like I gotta go with that one. I think you also don't you have a player on the roster currently named Pickle? Yep, Jalen Pickle. There you go. Big so old you, kid. You get. You just got to keep the food-related names and in, in the the nil deals sell themselves. Right. All right. We talked about it at the, at the top of the show. You know, you have a really elite running back. Texas with a lot of uncertainties. The one thing they know is they have at least one, but they have certainly one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, I'm not going to make you sit here and 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 pick one over the other, because I think they're both all American level in their own way. They do different things, but basically what we're seeing is two elite guys at the the height of their college football kind of prowess. So I, I, I was liking it to the Bijan deuce uh, matchup right now is, is kind of like Prince and, and Michael Jackson at their height, right? Each is good. They have their own style. Maybe they hate each other. Maybe they go up against each other. Maybe can't be fun, fans of both. You got to pick one. Which which is uh, which is Bijan and which is Deuce in the Prince Michael Jackson analogy, and then um, give us Deuce's signature song. I, I think if you look at the two, Bijan has more star power, right? So he's at Texas, bigger name. You got to say he's Michael Jackson. Okay. Um, Deuce can do a little bit of everything. He's at K State, is a little bit more under the radar. Definitely more of like Prince type. I mean, Prince was a superstar, but but he wasn't always, you know, just a leading man, right. In the, the music scene. So, um, and then of course his, his, his signature song has got to be purple rain, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, you, you just can't, I mean, if you're talking about Prince and K-State, it's gotta be purple rain. Can't pick anything else. That's pitch perfect analysis. Also Prince is five two. So, so deuce would tower over my man, but Prince is. Let's extend that metaphor. Prince five, two deuce, five, six, Michael Jackson, five, nine, Bijan six one like it works it, it's perfect it yeah, works out it just perfectly. works now can, can can Bijan moonwalk I don't know that there's anything he can't do so I'm gonna just confidently say yes okay okay <laughs> so we're we're gonna end it on the easiest hard question you're gonna get all day I need you to say one nice thing about either Iowa State or Kansas University pick one say one nice thing about either school oh man um let's see. That's tough. That's real <laughs> tough, man. Hardest uh, question we've asked you all day. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to go with, uh, with with KU because they have they have a really good medical school. It's not oh. you know it's not KU proper. It's it's KU Med and it's it's a little different, but it's still it's got the KU in the name. So we'll we'll use it for the, for this question. Go with with KU Med's a, a great institution. Um, so that 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 gives KU the, the leg up in this argument. It's very diplomatic, very diplomatic. Well, JT, thank you so much for giving us uh, like 30-ish minutes of your time, man. If folks want more of what you have to offer, where can they find you on the internet? If if they want a lot of K-State sports in general in their their Twitter feed, they can follow me there at JT Arkman. Uh, otherwise, uh, go to Bring on the Cats and um, 
we've got our, our countdown series going right now. We'll start getting into uh, team analysis here in the next week or two as we as we start getting close to the season. So start breaking down positions and getting getting everybody excited. I love it. Thanks, JT. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, Gerald, let's take it home. Little Godzilla Tron, what have you been watching on your giant screen? So, Family Night, Movie Night, again, I'd like to give you my update. We watched Hotel Transylvania 2. Not quite as good as the first, but I liked uh, – it was fun. It was My kids enjoyed it. My son laughed hysterically. I've never seen him laugh so hard he can't breathe, so that was a first for us. It was good. It's kind of like – Adam Sandler, like he does in the movies, gets just all his friends together. It's like, let's just be weird for an hour and a half. Uh, so it's fine. My wife has not seen What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. I'm a big fan of it. So doing a rewatch, it's one of the few shows I've ever seen her laugh out loud on a first viewing, <laughs> which is great. Loves a good pun. Uh, and then the, what I really want to talk about is, I talked about it last week. We were like three-ish, four episodes into The Bear, and I was like, it, I was like it's a good show. Uh, and then I watched the last half of that season, and... I would put that on my, like, top seasons of all time, like, TV show list. Like, I, I don't want to oversell this, but the way that they told a really complete story, because, again, the best TV show, especially first season, you don't know if you're going to get another season. So the way that they told a really complete encapsulated story in eight 30-minute episodes, with that level of acting and that level of, like, Every episode was basically a bottle episode because 90% of that show is in the restaurant. So, like, it's just incredible stuff. The seventh episode, uh, this is you can, this is not a spoiler, is one complete tracking shot. Like, once they get into the restaurant, there are no cuts ever to the rest of the, the episode. And it is so good. And they use it to build the intensity so perfectly. And then the finale, the lead in this show, I've never seen him in anything before. But that man does some acting, like... He has a 10-minute monologue at the start of the show, and it's just so stinking good. So, like, I cannot sing the praises of that show enough. It's so good. It is very intense. It is a restaurant, so it's very vulgar. If you ever worked in restaurants, you know what the language is like in the kitchen. If you're not into that, then skip it. But, like, I worked in restaurants. My wife worked in restaurants. And so this is very interesting to us. It's just really good human drama. There's nothing crazy built. It's just people being people and the the pressure that, that life puts you under. So good. I cannot recommend it enough. If you're into that sort of thing, check it out. It's on Hulu. It sounds delicious, Gerald. I will absolutely be checking it out. What we do in the shadows is also, that was my, I always have a show that I watch by myself that my wife, it doesn't mind if I watch without her and, and then I have to rewatch, you know, three times um, when she falls asleep. But anyways, um, that that's my show. But as I've been without AT&T's uh, blessing of internet, um, which I have direct TV stream and, and uh, couldn't stream from any of my devices without internet. So I have not watched a ton, but I am good news as of uh, earlier this week, as of, I believe Sunday, um, when you're listening, this will come out on Thursday. So on on Sunday, I'm four days back in, back in the saddle. Uh, I, I watched a uh, little little time alone. I was checking various apps, and I logged on to HBO uh, and looked at my list. And Many Saints of Newark was towards the top. And I said, it's been too long. I've been meaning to watch this for a year. Uh, and so I, I finally watched uh, that. It was pretty great. Um, it, it's great if you're a big Sopranos fan. If you're watching it standalone, you may not love it. Uh, as far as Sopranos, like, standard of excellence, it's not as good as probably any episode in that in that series. Um, but it's good. It's more Sopranos content. It's an interesting look at some interesting characters. Um, they try to 
wrestle with some of the biggest criticisms of the show, how they deal with race, and they, they do okay. Um, Leslie Odom is actually great in it. Um, but he, yeah, anyways, um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's like a, it's, it's a really good little hit of, uh, the Sopranos world. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable if that's a world you love, which, you know, Mike Roach, myself, uh, definitely, definitely do. Um, yeah, other than that, haven't really been able to consume too much. Um, it was started, uh, finished one book, started reading another. I'm reading um, God of Small Things, uh, which is a, an interesting, interesting read. I'm about a third of the way in. I'm curious where exactly uh, we're going here, but uh, interesting read so far. But yeah, haven't haven't been, been a little bit unplugged for two weeks. Uh, and it's been kind of nice, ready to get back aggressively online, though. And that's all we've got for you this week always aggressively online kyle where can they find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goodridge follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic or shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook him hook him bijan is the answer bijan's the better running back out of the two bijan bijan